Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Because I am a Unitarian Universalist, when it comes to things we can't see, hear, taste, touch, or feel, things we can't know for sure, I'm sparing with the words, I believe. But long ago, I realized that our spiritual lives will be far richer if we act as if certain things are true. For example, consider the belief that we're here on earth to fulfill some divine mission and that when we've done our part, we are released. We don't know that. So I can't say I believe it. But I choose to act as if it's true. Because to live our lives as if we're on a divine mission makes our lives better and changes for the good. The lives our lives touch. Joel Olstein is the minister of the Lakewood Church in Texas, the largest congregation in the United States. Sunday attendance is 43,500 people. Years ago, they spent months trying to find a place for a new sanctuary. Finally, they found just what they wanted, a 100-acre tract of land. But on the day they were to close the deal, it was sold out from under them. A few months later, they found another piece of property. They couldn't believe their luck. But as they neared the day of the sale, the owner changed his mind and refused to sell it to them. And then, suddenly, the compact center, a 16,000-seat sports arena located in the bustling heart of downtown Houston, came up for sale. It was perfect. And Reverend Olstein and his congregation believed that they finally understood why they had failed in securing the two previous properties that they'd tried to buy. It became clear why God had closed the other doors, writes Joel Olstein. Had we purchased either of those properties, those choices might have kept us from God's best. Do I believe that? I don't. (laughs) I believe in a God, but not in an invisible puppeteer. But I do agree that it is absolutely the best way to work with disappointment, to give meaning to a possibly random, meaningless saga, and to hold up for something better. I do believe that. We can choose to act as if there's a reason, even though we can't really know what it is, 
a reason for everything that happens. We can choose to act as if one door closing signals the opening of another. We can choose to live as if it matters, that we suffer, surrender, survive, and by and by, rejoice. Have you ever been in a building with security that's managed by a series of doors? You enter through one set, and then you have to wait while they close behind you before the next set opens. And then those close, and the next doors open. It's a little disconcerting. But it's also a good metaphor for life, and especially for change. Reverend Olstein writes, we have to let go of our disappointments, let go of our failures, and let those doors totally close behind us. You may feel that life has knocked you down, he says. Whatever you do, don't stay down. Get back up again, dust yourself off, and if you can't find anybody to encourage you, encourage yourself. You cannot change the past, but you can do something about the future. The future will commence the moment we stop looking back, stop grieving over what we've lost, and step forward, the future. This is how we pass willingly, willfully even through those doors, by allowing them to close behind us and facing new doors. This is how we equip ourselves for change. Recently, I had reason to revisit Genesis, the first book in the Bible, and to look with new eyes at chapter 3, the chapter in which Eve is tempted by the serpent to eat the apple and shares it with her boyfriend. You'll remember that God comes around looking for them. They're hiding, they say, because they're naked. God gets mad because they've disobeyed him, and it all goes seriously downhill from there. But what caught my attention were the first words out of God's mouth. Who told you that you were naked? In other words, this is the Bible according to Kim. In other words, who told you there's something wrong with you? You've been talking to the enemy, haven't you? This is the biggest obstacle between here and what we want, where we want to go, whom we want to be, the crazy idea that something's fundamentally wrong with us. The first principle of Unitarian Universalism affirms our inherent worth and dignity, everyone's inherent worth and dignity, not everyone's but yours. The call to a life of the spirit is the call to keep moving forward with the conviction that the past, whatever it is, is past. Wall Street's Henry Haskins wrote, what lies behind us and what lies before us are small matters compared to what lies within us. And when we bring what is within us out into the world, 
miracles happen. Out for what turned out to be a very long walk one day, Kem and I ended up having a very long conversation about what it means to choose to age well. Obviously, there are many alternatives. And the first thing we got really clear about is that change is an absolute given, and it's critical to embrace it. Marketing guru Tom Feltenstein writes, if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance a lot less. There's so many ways to work with change. Many of us don't respond to change by making changes in ourselves until whatever it is is on fire. But people who have studied change have concluded that lighting a fire underneath someone is nowhere near as effective as lighting a fire within. This is a really important insight. So many of us wait for things to go seriously wrong before we make a change. What if we cultivated in ourselves a real passion for change, whether to overhaul or merely to improve or refine? We can take on our beliefs, for starters. Management consultant Peter Drucker says, it's easier for companies to come up with new ideas than to let go of old beliefs. It's true for people, too. So if our old ideas about ourselves, about anything really, if those ideas are in the way of transformation, letting go of them is a good place to start. Remember the little engine that could? An early version of this beloved children's story says, one morning, a long train of freight cars asked a large engine to take it over a hill. I can't. That's too much of a pull for me, said the great engine built for hard work. Then the little train asked another engine and another only to hear excuses and be refused. And in desperation, that train asked the little engine to draw it up the grade and down the other side. I think I can, puffed the little locomotive and put itself in front of the great heavy train. And it went on. The little engine kept bravely puffing. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. The little engine that could should be our hero. There's just one thing that needs to be retweaked, tweaked about that story. It has to do with the sense that the little engine is moving very slowly and laboriously uphill. This is counterintuitive, but it may be the most important spiritual discipline when we make a commitment to embrace change. When the question is, how fast do we move to make change? The answer is, get ready for it, as fast as possible. In his book, The Heart of Change, John Kotler tells the story of a guy called Ron Marshall buying his first house a 65-year-old fixer-upper. And at the closing, the realtor said, Ron, you have to make a list immediately of all the things you want done and do them in the first six months. Ron responded, I'm broke now, but I'm a disciplined guy. I'll get everything fixed over the next few years. And she said, no, you won't. Because after six months, you'll get used to it. 
you'll get used to stepping around the elephant in the living room. Ron Marshall concludes, I was wrong, and she was right. When I sold that house five years later, nothing more had been done. The elephant was still there. I can argue against the directive to make change as fast as possible along with the best of them, but we'd all be wrong. I first understood this when I read Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s Why We Can't Wait, the heart of which is his April 16, 1963 letter from Birmingham jail. Responding to his fellow clergyman's criticism that his work was unwise and untimely, Dr. King speaks to his conviction that we have a moral responsibility to break unjust laws and to take direct nonviolent action rather than just wait for justice to come or not through the courts. We know through painful experience, he writes, that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Frankly, I have yet to engage in a direct action campaign that was well-timed in the view of those who have not suffered unduly from the disease of segregation. For years now, I have heard the word wait. It has almost always meant never. The slow approach leaves way too much room for inertia to creep in. And sooner or later, the elephant takes up residence in our lives, stopping us in our tracks. Embracing change with enthusiasm and determination creates early victories, which in turn nourish the faith in change, provide an emotional and spiritual lift, build momentum, and keep the cynics at bay. Comedian and actress Lily Tomlin said, I always wondered why somebody didn't do something about that. And then I realized I was somebody. Poet June Jordan said, we are the ones we have been waiting for. Let's be the ones. Beloved spiritual companions, whether or not we believe it, may we choose to act as if we're on a divine mission. May we choose to act as if one door closing signals the opening of another and step forward, affirming the worth and dignity of every being, including ourselves. May we choose to believe that what lies behind us and what lies before us are small matters compared to what lies within us, and bring what is within us out into the world. Let us light a fire within. Let's not wait. Let's be the ones we've been waiting for. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, 
please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.